Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You are listening to episode 121 of Process to Profitability. Today, I get into a great conversation with Meike Sang about pitching the right podcasts and impacting your business growth through visibility. We dive into why sustainable visibility is so important and how we can look at that from a perspective of a business owner long term. Then we get into all the information you need about being a podcast guest, including pitching the right podcasts, what to do to prepare for an interview, and how you can continue the relationship on the other side. This episode was so much fun to record, and Meike really shares some valuable information that we don't always hear from the experts online. Meike Sang is the founder of the Sustainable Visibility Movement, podcast guesting strategist, and host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. She helps underestimated women in business feel safe in the spotlight so they can grow their impact-fueled businesses on their terms for the long haul. If you like this interview, make sure to go check out her website and her freebie and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. I am so excited to dive in. Hi, May Kay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Samantha. Really excited to be here. I gave an intro at the beginning of the show, but I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in your business. Oh, okay. So we've got a three-part question here. (laughs) Okay. So I am based in London in the United Kingdom. And as as you said, my name is Meike Sang, and I help underestimated women in business to feel safe in the spotlight so they can grow their businesses, their impact-fueled businesses on their terms for the long haul. And, oh, okay, I'm thinking like, which jump point should I start from <laughs> with how I started in business? Um, I'll give you a very quick run through. Um, I already knew from a very young age that I didn't want the conventional career path. Not to say there's anything wrong with it, but I just always felt like it wasn't right for me just to go to school, go to university, potential further study, job, marriage and kids. Of course, I do want marriage and kids and, uh, you know, to have a thriving career. But I was always interested in alternative methods. So that's why I actually call myself a quiet rebel. And it's actually the name of my own podcast, the Quiet Rebels podcast, because it's all about not simply just opposing the status quo just for the sake of it. But it's really trying to understand like why is the status quo even there? Who made it the norm? And why can't we be at the cusp of you know new discoveries? Because we always, you know, we glorify innovation, but that's ultimately what it is, right? You know, innovation is a form of rebellion, is doing something that's never been done before. And so I quite I knew that from quite a young age and straight out of university, um, some unfortunate events did happen and it made me just question my career path that was actually on behalf of my my family because I'm a first generation immigrant in the UK. So my parents didn't have the opportunities to go to university. They had, you know, secondary school education up to GCSE level, but 
for them it you know they wanted to see their daughters just to have opportunities they never had so I felt like I really had to honor that for them and I still am but I definitely took a kind of like a curveball route <laughs> to kind of get to where I am and I have great relationships with my parents now and they understand that I wasn't doing it to upset them you know to venture off the path that I'm doing what makes me happy and that it does good for other people. And so long as I have money in the account and I can pay my bills, keep it from my head, that they're like, okay, my case, as long as you got that, we're, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. I feel like so many people's parents are like that. Mine were like that as well. We were expected to go to college. And then when I left my job and started my business, they were like, are you sure you can do this? Are you sure this is going to mm-hmm. pay your bills? Yes, exactly. And you know, I've, I've spent most of my life with my mom, like my, my parents, like long, long story short, you know, there was a time when they just chose not to be together anymore. So you know what that means. And I've really made a conscious effort to rebuild my connection with my dad. And over time, because my, my whole life, everybody has been telling me how similar I am to my mom. And it's wonderful. Like I have her amazing laughter. I um I have her care instincts I have her empathy and with my dad no one was really around to tell me like how similar I was to him but I discovered it on my own just after spending more time with him and for my stepmother to say oh you're just like your daddy and I'm like oh thank god (laughs) you know I've I've got something (laughs) with dad and the thing I do have from him which he didn't realize until I pointed out to him I was like dad I've got your business savvy because he runs his own business. He had the brick and mortar. Um, but either way, we had a conversation literally yesterday at the time of this recording, and we were talking about business and how there's unpredictability. You know, it's really important to develop the relationships with uh, his current customers, you know, who he relies on the public, you know, to be able, to, and so do I, you know, so do all of us. We, we, we rely on the relationships we have with our clientele and and especially for him, it's, I think it's more difficult because in times of COVID, you know, I am Chinese. And so there's a lot of room for discrimination and racism. Um, so for him, he's been counting on the goodwill that he's always treated his customers with in hopes that no matter how the media may perceive us to be evil or the cause of a global pandemic, how he's still able to make it through and his business is doing incredibly well. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's because he knows how important it is to treat people well, no matter what climate you're in. And I've just been able to transfer a lot of those ideals and skills and relationship building to prioritize that. And um, so when we're talking about visibility later on, you know, that's a huge part of it. So thank you, Daddy Sang. That is such an important part of business. And I think we're really seeing it now in COVID, the the relationship building. And that's what we've talked about on my podcast that from the beginning was we have to serve our clients well and build those relationships and focus on them instead of growing this business just to be an influencer in the online space. 100%. Okay. So today we're talking about podcast guesting. And I want to start by talking about visibility and being strategic in how we go about that. And let's start with the visibility strategy first. Just really talk about what that means for people. Yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh. 
So um, at the beginning, when I introduced myself and as Samantha, as you did when you read out my bio, you'll find the term sustainable visibility in there. And that is a term that I coined and it's pending trademark at the time. It's like, hope maybe when this is aired, maybe it's fully trademarked. But it really came about because of the, the surface level conversations that I was finding everywhere about visibility. It was all about, you know, just put yourself out there. And I, I find myself saying that in a strange voice. I'm like, oh, put yourself out there. <laughs> I just I do that for some reason I don't know why um but yeah so people always say oh just put yourself out there you just need a step by step you need exposure and I have so many things to say about that so visibility isn't about how many people see you even though most people think that that's the goal of the game what it's really about is being seen by the right people in the right spaces who are ready to see and hear you and embrace your point of view. And unfortunately, it just feels very unregulated. For example, would you go on a podcast, even if they have millions and millions of listeners, but you don't agree with the values of the host or you don't align with their branding? Like, could you get visibility? Yeah, you could, but probably not from the right people who are actually going to mean anything to you to you know for your bottom line because if you're visible in front of the misaligned spaces then it's not really going to do much for you and I would like to say I've never said this on a podcast before but I I recently came to this realization that every visibility opportunity can be a liability and the reason for that is because our audience is paying closer attention than you think about who you advocate for. And this could be the clients that you work with, the people who you partner with, like who are you being an affiliate for? They all pay attention. And I'm seeing it more and more that uh, when I see someone's behind the scenes and how they truly treat their team or truly treat their customers that actually have something to say, how are they silenced? And then I think of who the people who are, are still being affiliates for them. And obviously, I'm not going to drop any names, but you know, there's some pretty big industry giants that, unfortunately, a couple of my peers, they do still advocate for, but I'm pretty sure it's because they don't know how she treats her clients, customers, and even the, her team behind the scenes that I've unfortunately been witness to. Yeah, I think that's very true. And it's not something we've thought about until recently. But as we are seeing things, and especially as we're privy to so much behind the scenes on social media, we can get a pretty good idea of the beliefs and the values of a brand to make sure that we are aligned with them, whether we want to be a guest on their podcast or be an affiliate or even just share their stuff online, you know, our audience is watching that and is going to make decisions about us based on the people we're following. Exactly. So every visibility opportunity, whichever avenue that's going to be, whether that is a podcast, whether, you know, having your own and who you're having on your podcast or, Um, you know, who you're guesting on, which summits you're a part of, and who are the speakers, and, you know, publications, you know, who's their demographic, all all of those things, right? Um, They can be liabilities if we are just going for it, for the sake of wanting exposure. And 
I do want to say the difference between exposure and visibility because I do believe it's important not to interchange them. They are definitely not the same. So exposure is rooted in a violation. It's non-consensual. I just think of tabloid magazines, like on the front page, celeb like ex exposed for their secrets and no one really wants to be exposed. But visibility and being seen, that is consensual. It's like, oh, I'm sharing which parts of me to show. Here I am. Yeah, and I think that is something we have to really think about. I was talking on another podcast about social media and choosing which parts of your life and the behind the scenes that you want to share with somebody intentionally. And that is all part of this visibility strategy that you're talking about here. Yes, absolutely. And I realized, like, let's loop back to your original question about developing the visibility strategy. So what's really going to be important for you in the long run is safety first and strategy second. So this is what's not really talked about a lot. So I'm really glad that you just brought it up just now about social media, which parts of your life to show. I believe that this is not exclusive, but I would say it's, it may, it's mainly going to apply to women, but again, not exclusively. We have a very different idea of what it means to be safe online. Like I could go through so many avenues, but, you know, just being objectified just because of who we are and just like various parts of ourselves that we show or don't show in regards to our personality or our, or our body or even our family. And when I say safety first, we are never going to continue a visibility strategy that makes us feel unsafe because we will naturally fall to that level of safety. We want to maintain that. And for anyone who's thinking, but if I'm safe all the time, then I'm not going to do anything new, right? <laughs> so what I say to that is, it's about expanding your safety zone. That, that does happen through conscious um, experimentation. But if it's forced upon you just because a quote-unquote guru says so, and it feels completely wrong, and yet you do it anyway, you are actually exposing yourself because it's actually non-consensual for you. It feels somewhat violating, but we're taught to trust the gurus. But I think in this day and age, I think you can agree with me, Samantha, that there is definitely a shift of consciousness and market sophistication in our industry. And it's, it, we're turning the tide on giving the power back to the people instead of relying on these experts who say it's their way or the highway. Yeah, I think we really are seeing that there are so many different ways to show up online. And there's a lot of different platforms, whether it's live videos or captions or audio, there's a lot of options that we have and we can choose what we're comfortable with, what we're going to stick with, and then get our message out that way. Because when we can be authentic in how we show up, that's when people are going to connect with us. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you pointed that out, that there are so many different ways that you can show up because I think most people think visibility is something that you either have or you don't. And that's not true. There are certain visibility styles that are more highly revered, I suppose. It has a lot more prestige to it. <laughs> um, for example, being featured on Forbes, it is pretty prestigious. And don't get me wrong, I have goals for that too. But um, 
I had to ask myself, like, am I only worthy if I'm there? If I'm not, then I'm not worthy. And like, that's, of course, it's not true. And I'd just like to share that there's so many different ways to diversify your visibility to align with your personal capacity in this season of your life, because different seasons of our lives means that we have certain capacities for other things and not for other things. And it's really about getting into tune with that. So for example, podcast guesting, it really aligns for my personality type because one, I'm a verbal processor. Two, I love intimate conversations. And three, because I am an introvert. And for a podcast, it's a one-on-one thing. It's mainly audio, right? So I don't have to worry about how I look as much because I used to have a a YouTube channel. It's still technically live, but I just don't add, I've never added things for like the last three years and I probably won't go back for quite some time. And it's because it took up so much capacity um, for me to film videos and edit them because at the videos, I'm worrying about my lighting. I'm worrying about my makeup, my clothes, my, you know, the, the asymmetry of my face that people have pointed out and I've been bullied for. It's things like that. They all got into my head and unfortunately it blocked the the content that I actually really wanted to express in those videos and when I'm editing when you edit yourself and you cut out every um and ah mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes us so much time <laughs> but with podcast guesting it feels more natural for me so it takes up way less capacity and I can do more of it if I choose to and showing up being visible it counts you know having a zoom conversation even if it's one-on-one even if the rest of the world doesn't know you showed up for that person. Responding to a DM, whether it's written or a voice message or a video, that's still showing up. So there are private and public forms of visibility that you get to diversify your strategy with. And that is what helps you to show up sustainably without feeling like you have to be on constantly in one type. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think it's really helpful for people to think through that and kind of get the permission if they feel like they need it to figure out what works for them. Yes, absolutely. Is your website actually working for you? There's only one way to really know if your website is supporting your business, the conversions you're seeing. That's why I've created a guide with five updates that you can make right now to get a higher converting website. Everything else, the number of visitors, your follows on social media, your Google ranking is just vanity if it's not doing something bigger. The power of a well-designed strategic website is in moving people from checking you out to getting engaged. In this free guide, I'll give you five simple things you can update on your website to start getting more engagement and turning visitors into clients. You can download it now at lemonandtheseed.com slash five updates. That's lemonandtheseed.com slash the number five and the word updates. So as we shift into talking about guesting on podcasts, who do you feel like that is the right fit for? Hmm. So I'd say guesting on podcasts is best for those who are really interested in long-term relationship building. And (laughs) I say that because there are a lot of people who, they kind of abuse the strategy, if I'm very honest meaning that they know that podcast guesting is like how it can go through many audiences, the content is evergreen, all that kind of stuff, but they just go on it for the prestige of being on a podcast and they don't do anything more than that. So 
you know, they kind of ghost the podcaster, <laughs> like, you know, and I know because I'm a podcaster as well. I've had guests come on and unfortunately they just ghost and they're like, oh, thank you. Next kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you're really interested in podcast guesting, please be in it for the long haul. Someone who wants to have important, intimate conversations with the host, really care about the host's values and their audience and being there, not just when the interview goes live, but just around after that, you know, keep promoting the episode, put them, put the interview on your press page or your media page on your website and just be a friend. I'm like, you, you won't be besties with every single <laughs> host that you'll, that you'll connect with, but just don't treat them like a tissue, you know, right. <laughs> we just use them and throw them away if, um, because we feel that. And it's evident from their pitching is evident from the interview if they're lucky enough to pass the pitch round but ultimately podcasters are all about relationships Mm -hmm. when somebody is planning on pitching some podcasts and we've covered this a little bit but what do they need to think about before they get started yes so as you said this, because a lot of people go straight into the pitch and don't think about the after effect because podcast guesting is not just about being on the interview. And this is why we talked about capacity before, because I want you to think of any visibility strategy. So for the, for this example, it's podcast guesting, just like an airplane. So we don't think about how long the runway is so that an airplane needs to go before it even takes off the ground, right? Most people just want to be in the air, right? And mm-hmm. obviously they want to land, but um, they just focus on the liftoff. That's it. They don't think about the runway beforehand, nor do they think about the runway when they land. So this is this is what I mean. So what you need to think about before you pitch is what topics do I need to talk about that's going to be beneficial for the audience, for the host, What's going to reflect on my brand and my eventual offers that I would like to lead some listeners to? So think of like all the things that you need to have in place for your business. You need your system set up. You need your lead magnet, whichever free offer that you're allowed to present at the end. Does that have the landing page? Is that connected to you know your e- email system do you have a nurture sequence do you have an eventual offer that you're going to like nurture them into if you don't have any of that then you're not going to really reap the the true benefits of podcast guesting outside of the relationship relationships always going to be the most important in my opinion but ultimately it feels like an opportunity wasted so think about it this way this is what I keep asking myself. It's like, okay, if I was going to be on Forbes tomorrow, would I be ready to handle that traffic? And if I keep saying no, then that means that there's still something on my back end to fix or to create in place to kind of fully be ready for them. It's kind of like, um, I think of this as a party analogy. If you If you're saying to everybody, you're running a house party, like, hey, I'm going to have a party on Saturday. It's going to be epic. So you spend all that time telling everybody, like giving out the invitations. But by the time they actually get to your house, you've got no cups for beer pong. You've got, <laughs> you know, you've got no food. There's no music. And everyone's just going to leave. Like when they get to your house, like, oh, I thought you said that this is a great party, but there's nothing here. 
<laughs> and so I guess, you know, think of it that way. If you're going to invite a lot of people to your party, then do you actually have everything to keep nurturing them and to keep them entertained? You know, basically meet the promise that you are creating. I think that makes a lot of sense. And those are good steps to think about before you start pitching is making sure those are in place. So once we get into sending those pitches, do you have a couple of tips just for people to pitch well and do a good job, even if they don't necessarily get on the show, but like do it the right way? Yes, absolutely. So the easiest way that I can um, share this is, it's super easy to remember. So it's, um, I call it the PR method. And no, it doesn't stand for public relations. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, it's kind of like a play on the words, you know. Um, so PR method, what is it? The P, it stands for personalization, which sounds super obvious. It's common sense, but uncommon practice, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're like proper nodding your head. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know what I'm saying here. So personalization is the initial hook that you are going to uh, grab someone's attention by. It may not be the host themselves. It may be, you know, their team. So they might have gatekeepers in place, right? So personalization is what's going to get your foot in the door. So just saying like, hi, Samantha, right? That's already a start. I get <laughs> ones where they say just hi or t- Oh, oh my God, I think I had one of like, to whom it may concern. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, <laughs> please don't say that. Um, so just saying the host's name is the very least that anybody can do. And then the personalization goes even deeper. So, you know, say your podcast name. So if someone says to me, the Quiet Rebels podcast, I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm going to read a little bit further because it sounds relevant to me. So I'm just going to keep reading, keep reading. And the personalization, there's a point where it morphs into the R of the PR method. So the personalization, it needs to capture the name of the host, the name of their podcast, and, you know, making it very crystal clear that you're at, that you've actually listened to their podcast. Because like, we can tell if you fake it. Yeah. <laughs> like I had a pitch the other day. that like, oh, hi, we love your show. I'm curious, do you want a guest for your show? And I'm like, really, what's my show called? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's what's going through my head. So personalization is the initial hook, but the hook is not enough if you don't have the R. And the R is relevancy. It's great if you know our names. It's great if you know our podcast and that you've listened to it. But unfortunately, it's going to just stop there if the topics that you're pitching or the guests that you're pitching is completely irrelevant to what we stand for, who we want to advocate for. So I think of it as, cause I'm, I used, I used to be a copywriter. So um, I think of personalization as the hook and relevancy as retention. You need to hook their attention and you need to retain it. And not through, you know, superficial methods that require, you know, that, you know, heightening the emotional response, all that kind of stuff. No, just, keep it nice and simple make it personal make it relevant that's all that matters because here's the thing even if for some reason they're choosing not to take you on because of external factors like they have a full guest list or they're not recording right now you allow yourself to be a future option if you treat them as you know a decent human being and you respect the fact 
that is their show because I get a lot of pictures that are actually pretty condescending if I'm quite honest it makes me feel like oh you'll be missing out if you don't have me on your show mm-hmm. right and you're like mm-hmm, me <laughs> because you know what I mean <laughs> and so if you follow the PR method it's very little that you can get wrong make it super personal make it very relevant and I have like this this seven elements that I teach in my workshops and things but there's one part that I think is the most important and I call it the no pressure sign off meaning that you say something like hey whether or not I'm a good fit for your show like insert show name (laughs) I truly wish you all the best and I'll continually support what you're doing Thank you so much for considering this, for reading this anyway. Something along those lines, because it allows the host to feel that they have control in who they choose to have guests. Because unfortunately, not every person who's pitching them will make them feel like that. I've had ones where they're like, oh, you know, they already assume that I'm going to say yes. And that, oh, and here's the link to book me in. I'm like, whoa, 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 cowboy. (laughs) no this is my show bub (laughs) you know so it's honestly leaving a good taste in their mouth it's very simple PR method personalization relevancy there's very little you can get wrong if you really follow that yeah I I mean I totally agree as a podcast host I have gotten pitches for people who want to come on and talk about real estate law and I'm like Mm. you clearly do not know what we talk about on this show but I just reached out to somebody who pitched me like six months ago that I had saved because it was really personal. It was relevant to what I was talking about. And I emailed her and I was like, Hey, I'm finally recording again. Mm -hmm. You know, let's have a chat about having you on the show. So it does make a difference. And, you know, we do keep those tucked away if we think it's a good fit for down the road. Yes. So we're not lying folks when we say, Oh yeah, we'll we'll add you to the list. There is an actual list. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not just, something that we say <laughs> to cushion the blow a little bit um, if we're saying no for the for the time being there is a legitimate list and I'm really glad that you say that because um, for me behind the scenes I have uh, my executive assistant who helps me coordinate all of my guests and we have a list of people you know for the future we have a list for people who have pitched that they just haven't been interviewed yet so we I have a legit list too <laughs> <laughs> all right so If you do get accepted on a show, what kind of tips do you have for somebody to prepare? We're already assuming they've got kind of the funnel and the opt-in and all that in place, like we talked about. So what else might they need to do? Yes. So I call this a lull time. There is that lull lull between when your pitch gets accepted um, to when your interview is booked. Sometimes it could be weeks or even months later on down the line so during that time you may have lost that initial excitement that you had when your when your pitch first got a yes right so here's what you do in between that time you you know you keep yourself up to date with their latest episodes so you can potentially reference some if they are relevant for your conversation and also this is like super super like I tell all of my clients and my students to do this that listen to like some guest episodes that the host has done with someone and just really observe their interview style because that interview style is going to be reflective for your experience. So for example, is the host someone who interjects with their guests or are they the type to kind of like hold space and sit back? 
because depending on the fluidity of the conversation, is it like loads of questions in one go, or is it very organic? You know, those are the things that you need to know because it's going to allow you to easily respond to when, like, sometimes some guests get hit with curveball questions, and the guest isn't prepared for it. And so, the best way to prepare yourself is to understand the interview style of that host. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And you know, we all we all have permission to have brain farts, right? I have brain farts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do is that I keep a little checklist, like on my on my table sometimes, where I just like have my core stats or a story that I want to share. It's just something that I can just refer to, that to keep me grounded if I'm feeling a bit up in the air. But I've done quite a lot of interviews at this point, so I've I've really become quite ingrained with my topics. But I know not everybody has that. And like at the beginning, I refer to my list all the time. So it really just takes practice and just being very comfortable with your topics and the multifaceted angles where you can be asked different questions. Yeah. And I think that's an important piece when you're choosing your topic to pitch is that it's got to be something you know well so that if you get a curveball question, you know, you might have to pause and kind of create exactly what you want to say but you know your stuff yes exactly and at the beginning that mean that might be quite daunting and a lot of people don't know this about me but I have been trained as a public speaker quite earlier on like in my early 20s so I've learned very quickly how to respond to curveball situations because when you're on a stage and if you're in front of hundreds if not my biggest crowd so far is a thousand if someone shouts something from the audience, you need to know how to handle that, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're opposing you and, you know, to what you're saying. So you need to know how to handle that person, but not alienating everybody else as you're responding to that person, you know? So it's really about that emotional management that comes from the unexpected. So that's why you can really help yourself a lot if you simply just familiarize yourself with the interview style with the host themselves as people and you know just just picking up different patterns from the other interviews that you've listened to from them all right so we talked about podcasts as kind of a long-term relationship building medium how can we follow up effectively after we've done an interview to really continue to build that relationship So one thing is for sure is to do your part in sharing your interview when it goes live because hosts don't like ghosts, right? (laughs) We don't like being ghosted by our guests. So be there when your interview goes live and even before that and after that. So for example, after after this interview, I will do an Insta story tagging you in it, saying like, hey, I'm super excited to have this um, interview with Samantha where we talked about X, Y, Z, you know, keep your eyes peeled or watch the space and you know until x month or like I just leave it open-ended sometimes if uh, I don't have an exact date in mind but just doing that just like some pre-promo and then actual promo and then post-promo so when it reaches that post-promo phase I do keep in touch with the guests not out of obligation because again not every host is going to be our bestie and that's fine right but just maintaining that level of professionalism where you are going to continually share the episode where it where it fits. Like I put all of my interviews that I've done on my website. So it lives there forever, right? Like this interview 
is going to live on my website forever, <laughs> right? So we we have that, and that that's great. And just being there for the host as a fellow business owner, mm-hmm. for example, if there was a summit and I was looking and they're looking for speakers, and if I know something about a host, then I'll tag them and I'm like, hey. Gary, I think you'd be great for this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not, again, nothing is out of obligation at all because then it's not really genuine. Right. So it's just like being there and not leaving them after basically not treating them like a tissue, right? right. <laughs> so just use them and then throw them away. Just be around them. That's all that they would want, not necessarily ask for. But it's just nice to feel that, ah, uh, Samantha still cares because, <laughs> because she's still here. <laughs> she comments on my stuff. And it's just, um, it's very organic, to be honest, because we can learn the six steps to build a great professional relationship and everything. But ultimately, the best ones are when they're very unexpected and they're very organic with how they develop. Yeah, I have found, I mean, I've had guests that have shared and then we've gone on to have good relationships and other guests where they don't share things and, and we know the difference and we kind of keep that in our minds a little bit, you know, we, it could still be a great interview that's helpful, but we do kind of pay attention to the person after it's all wrapped up. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So my last question as we get into podcasting is what are some ways that we can use or reuse the content that we've done after a podcast interview? Right, so how to leverage the, the yes. podcast interview, right? Yeah, so of course we can uh, share it as as it is. You, you do need to get permission from the podcaster, though, if you're wanting to repurpose it in any way, because some podcasters have a, not quite a contract, but just a form that they agree to, mm-hmm. that the content is exclusively theirs and not the guests. So um, I personally have that in my in my own business where I, you know, I just like make it clear that the with the guests that the the interview it is our core content. But if they were gonna ask if that, oh make okay, I'm I wanna link back to this interview, but I'm curious, can I turn it into a blog post? And I'll be like, yeah, absolutely. Like if they link it back, then I have no problem, you mm-hmm. know? So again, that is up for individual discussion for any hosts. Um, interview who you may want to repurpose in a different way so I I keep it really simple I just kind of like use the audiograms and I just like share the main into yourself but behind the scenes if I were to leverage a podcast interview I could use it for another podcast pitch so for example if I wanted to reinforce the fact that I was an expert in a certain area so podcast guessing is absolutely one of my expert areas and if that person didn't know me, then what I would do is I would, you know, pitch my topics, but somewhere perhaps in the PS section, I would bring up an interview with someone who I know that they are acquainted with mm-hmm. or friends with. And I would pick out a specific timestamp from that interview and say, hey, um, Bill. <laughs> oh, hey, Bill. So, you know, if you're interested in hearing what I sound like, I did this interview with so-and-so um, and I picked out this timestamp because I think it's going to be the most relevant to what our conversation could be if you choose to go ahead. Then I give them the timestamp and I give them the link to make it super easy for them to say yes. And it just affirms that expertise a level further. So that's how I leverage podcast interviews sometimes, not just for other podcasts, but it can happen for workshops because what I want to share here is that 
the end game isn't the podcast interview. It is the relationship that you have with the host that you maintain. And that relationship can bloom into different opportunities. I have been invited into a lot of courses and masterminds and memberships, online programs like group coaching programs, invited to speak on summits, to speak at events. It's because I maintain these relationships. And I don't bank on that. I don't bank like, oh, if I stay in touch with them, they're going to invite me. Like, no, I I don't think like that. But I know it's a possibility and I just show up as I am. If it's resonating and they want to amplify that even further through a different medium, then that's incredible, you know? So that's why the longevity of these relationships, you know, that's what's going to allow you to really amplify the impact. And it all starts with your initial intention, with your first impression that you make. That's why um, I can tell when I'm being sent pitches from booking agencies that are trying to meet a quota and they'll do whatever they can, pitch to whoever they can to get that to a month. And that's why right now I'm working on a podcast guesting certification to certify VAs to actually learn the system that I have firsthand so that podcasters get more higher quality pitches from well-meaning guests and to be able to communicate that, right? right? Because I have my whole, my whole spiel <laughs> with booking agencies. <laughs> Not all of them are bad, but to be honest, there are more bad than there are good from my personal experience. Yeah. I would agree. And I, I did see that you're doing the certification. I love that you're pursuing that to really teach people how to do this, make sure they know what they're doing and can do it for their clients. Yes. And a quick note on that. Um, I consider it as my rebellion, my quiet rebellion, because it feels quite elitist if you can only get an agency to book for you if you earn hundreds if not thousands of extra dollars because doing my research for the certification only one of the nine that I've researched so far in the proximity of our industry eight out of nine they require at least a thousand a month and you're normally locked into a contract of three to six nine twelve months and um, I thought to myself do you know what I didn't have that Mm-hmm. when I was when I was starting out right I did it all myself and I just really want to bridge that gap so that podcast guesting is not just for the elite mm-hmm. it's for the people who have something really meaningful to say and your degree of self-advocacy is going to be important if you're unable to break into that or and I've never wanted to break into that to be quite honest because it's like no I want to do it myself I want to prove that you can do it without needing anybody else's help Mm-hmm. without feeling like you're not worthy enough to be seen if you don't have 10 years of experience <laughs> like I yeah. don't have any of that I had nothing to lose really so that's my little spiel but anyway anyway <laughs> yeah I will say that some of my favorite guests have been people who they haven't been on a lot of podcasts but they know their topic and they are passionate about it and I think Sometimes the people who we feel like, oh, these are like my dream guests or my dream podcast to be on. It's just not as effective because it's not the right fit. Mm. Yeah. Alignment is key for any visibility opportunity to be an asset, not a liability, as we said at the beginning. Yeah. So as we wrap up today, I would love it if you could 
tell us if you could recommend one thing to a friend, what would it be? In regards to podcast guesting? In regards to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of different answers for this one. Mm, okay, so this is quite okay, so open ended question. What would I recommend to a friend? I'm going to echo the words of Jim Carrey. This is a direct echo. This is not mine by any means. But there was a point in a speech that he did. I think it's Stanford that he did it for. He said, you can fail at the things you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jim Carrey. (laughs) Thanks, Jim Carrey. (laughs) All right. So where can people find you and connect with you online to learn more about what you do and how they can learn from you? Yep. Thank you so much. So if anybody who's listening to this point, first of all, hey ho, this has been quite a long interview. So thank you so much for sticking around. <laughs> so if you are interested in learning how to guest on podcasts with integrity, I do have this free resource called Be Our Podcast Guests. And it's where I've asked 25 podcasters to share their out-of-the-box advice for how you can pitch yourself, basically. And you'll find that there is a pattern amongst all of the podcasters, and it's pretty much the PR method, but they each have their own individual way of expressing it. So they're pretty much like 25 roadmaps to (laughs) pitch to certain podcasters. But ultimately, it's just so you can hear directly from them what they actually look for. So Mm -hmm. I'm not taking I'm not talking out of my ass this is from real life data collection (laughs) I feel like I kind of went undercover a little bit because even though we didn't speak about this in the interview I got my start in podcast guesting not by any traditional means that's because I challenged myself to pitch to 101 podcasts in 30 days they're all hyper personalized as well and I managed to secure a 33% booking rate so one in every three And I asked them, you know, why did you say yes? And they started telling me why. And it's basically distilled in the PR method that I shared with earlier. So if you are interested in that resource, just hearing it directly from other podcasters themselves, what you need to do is go to 25experts.makeafang.com. And if you want to stay in touch, which I hope you do, but if not, there's no worries, (laughs) but you will find me the most active on Instagram at makeafang. That's my Instagram handle, which I'll obviously pop over to Samantha because my name is not easy to remember. (laughs) Not easy to remember uh, to spell as well. So yeah, that's where you can find me. So thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. awesome. I will share links to that in all of the show notes so people can find it there as well. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me and being here for these conversations. Really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.